This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller and his guy Friday, Christian Blatt. What's up, Hiroshi? Let's light this candle. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks, welcome to Dennis Miller Option. Oh, move my stuff. Uh, I was Were trying you up not here to. fucking around? I was trying not to break anything. Look at Carolyn there. Oh, wow. Oh, ba ba boom. Look at that. We're going to, uh, I think I won my fifth Emmy that night. Yeah. Um, and my boys. Sorry, my desktop's been moved a little and I'm very anal. Uh, all right. Um, play me something or ask so, me yeah, something. So, yeah, we've got uh, voicemail number five. Charles from South Carolina. Just uh, finished listening to your interview with Orson Bean and what a treasure that guy is. Thoroughly enjoyed it. What about me? But I'm never going to be able to use the word marinate in a sentence again without laughing. Oh, didn't he use that sexually? I believe he did, yes. Christian is the frisky, or, um, or well, Orson is the friskiest Christian, and oddly, Christian is the friskiest horse. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the term he uses about having sex, is I ride marinate the skewer regularly every Tuesday or something like that. It makes me laugh. Um, when was the last time he came back from Europe, and do you do it as easily as you used to? No, I mean, it's... Greece is 10 probably hours. Been, yeah, I went there for my honeymoon, so it's probably... Yeah, that was 10 years ago, oh. but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. You know, I get tired if I fly back from Vegas. All right. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Brought that fucking... I'm just saying. Dead I, hole. I, I, I can't I thought, I thought, okay, we got something here. No, we don't have Christian will lay a little layer on. I'll put a little layer on Look, top you, of it. You just talked He'll about He'll come in with some skim code, you, and you, you get all fun. We stopped at Victorville at the big thermometer <laughs> and had a piece of peach cobbler, and I couldn't get it. I swear, shut <laughs> No. The thermometer's in Baker. Come on. <laughs> but you just talked about, you know what I get paid. You think I can fly somewhere? I can't, I can't fly uh, anywhere. <laughs> no, you can't save it now. All I know is we were off on a magic car. Are you sure? Huh? Was it really that magical? You can't. <laughs> 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 like, was that carpet well-scaped? Oh, no. That's my entire career, thinking I'm on to something. <laughs> and I'm so not. <laughs> it's a mean point thing. I'm always going to write in the mean. Never plant the flag. Just get to know the Sherpas on a first-name basis up in the sixth base camp. You boil water for the truly intrepid souls. <laughs> Welcome to my career. So we have a voicemail, and it is only All identified right. as... No, no, don't get pissy and turn into a robot on me. No. It's like HAL 9000 is my sidekick. Dennis, there is an also an additional interaction with a fan. I'm afraid I can't do that, Dennis. <laughs> Big fan is what it's, his name is. So that's all we have. That's how he identified just himself. got back from the great state of Texas here in Phoenix, walking my little shit to Yorkie, <laughs> thinking about uh, how much I enjoy listening to you, your thoughts, uh, your jokes. I do love your stories. I'm also a Corolla fan, so I really enjoyed when you get a chance to chat with him in the Rotten Tomatoes game. You're not very good at it, but it's still funnier than hell. I do get a kick out of the rest of the team, Lindsay and Kristen and, and the Chuckles, and uh, keep up there the great work. There you go. See, that guy yeah, likes you. Lindsay's back, and yeah. Garbo's got him. Um, or Garson has them. There used to be an ad campaign for a film where Clark Gable had taken some time off to fight in the war, and his first film back, they said, Gar uh, Gable's back and Garson's got him. Can't remember the film, but I do remember that. And by the way, um, 
You, you used to tell me that you knew an Epicurean scatologist once, and when he made prime rib, he would always top it off with a Shih Tzu Yorkie, <laughs> didn't he? And then he, some sort of a... He would, but, you know, then... Corn the, pudding? Yeah, but then the laws changed for the restaurants. Help me! <laughs> Good <laughs> sakes! Help me! Anything in the news? How much time have we done? Really, oh, we, uh, we've done, we've done what, almost an hour of 55. Yeah, okay. She was waving well, at me. To, bells I was just like, or something. Not, not in front of the boss. Come on. No, 55 minutes. So, uh, I mean. Didn't Sammy Hager do a. Don't uh, he go can't over drive 55. 55. Yeah. That, uh, that was pre Van Halen. Everybody that thinks was... I'm a David Lee Roth freak, but I follow Sammy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm more of a Gary Sharon guy, but those other Who's two. Who's that? That's the third singer for Van Halen that made one record. Wow. Yeah. Um, no one was that. Alex and Eddie still there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was after Sammy. They couldn't uh, come to terms. And then they did that album with Gary Sharon, and then they're like, you know what? Dave wasn't so bad. Let's bring Dave back. Well, wasn't Sammy at that point? He had some bar down in Cabo, Cabo that they were Cabo shooting Wabo. in. Yeah. Fireman hoses full of uh, suds and people doing slip and slides and eating jello off each other's navels. Yeah, he didn't He uh, didn't cut Eddie and Alex into any of his uh, side business in, uh, ventures. I was in, uh, sorry, Christian, no, I didn't bulldoze over either, but I was in Cabo once and uh, I... Um, Attempted to suck a jello shot out of the great comedy actor James Coco's navel. <laughs> and I fell in like that little girl in the well that they had to go get with the guy with no collarbones, the local volunteer fireman who had to be lowered down. And for the first time in his life, he had legitimacy. Then when it went away, he was massively depressed. Anyway, that's just a little sidebar. I'm still note. laughing at James Coco. <laughs> you mean handsome Dom DeLuise? <laughs> <laughs> yes, debonair. And I bit, sir. Uh, anyway. Do you want to talk about the news or is it. Uh, Give me a just couple. Gonna, Give me a couple. I don't want to. I mean, we talked a little bit about the debate. Do that but thing where I'm standing there, like Bill Hammer doing. When, now, District 14A has. They went them last week. when they're out working the, at the board where they draw with their fingers. Oh, it's yes. So stupid. Especially when it's election night. Right, leave this on. Oh, no, Lindsay, <laughs> put that up there for a second. <laughs> why, why is that? Uh, are people out there she'll that get bothered? A, no, but things? she'll get in trouble with her bosses oh, okay. for leaving it in. Can I think you people, imagine like, that? I would still listen, but. See, yeah. I, can we just do it for a second just Good. to hear it? Everything always has to be. Wait a second. It's like a Geiger counter to me. No, that's what it sounds it's like. It's like, uh, okay, pretend we're in, uh, it came from outer, or the thing from outer space, right. and then the guy with the Geiger, over here, <laughs> over here, and it's James Arness under the ice. That's what that sounds like. Yeah. Go hey, wait a second, over here. Oh, <laughs> it's James Arness. <laughs> that's also what it sounds I saw like when Jimmy I manscaped. Arness in something last night. What was I watching? Christy turns up in a lot of things. Oh, um, an absolutely great war film. And I can't watch war films as I get older. Uh, Just war films in general or specifically when World War young, II? I used to watch World War II films. There's not a lot of great World War I films. All Quiet on the Western Front, I guess, with Lou Ayers and Louis Millstone, by the way, who's... What are you, okay, we can so turn the bed's still going off, off now. <laughs> Just unplug it. Jesus Christ. 
No, you went right past the point from having fun. Yeah. No. To now, Shitting you've undermined the efficacy longer. of this podcast. I, I think Lewis Milestone or Millstone actually directs All Quiet on the Western Front, and then it ends in back-to-back forays with Brando at his most piquant in the bounty. Uh, he, he gets drummed off that. And uh, then he goes, so he, he falls out of that Lewis Millstone as an old man. He goes to Vegas where Frank meets him on Ocean's Eleven and says, you got one take. And each shot, I mean, if I can hear about it, we'll be in the sauna. So that's where Lewis started on the Western Front and then died on the far Western Front with Brando in the, in the Fijian Islands and, uh, and uh, Sinatra in Vegas. So that's a tough ending for the old cat. But he, when he was young. So World War I films, don't know a lot of them. Sergeant York, obviously. Um, but World War II films, I, used, I can watch World War I films because... Something about the the fog of time. You know, I can't even say this because it's trying to be too good. Something about war films now doesn't work for me because uh, it's just too... It is madness. I mean, it's fucking madness. Less World War II, obviously, had a guy who was going to start and got up to six million people in America. God bless these boys, but... It, it's just, uh, I think Saving Private Ryan was some sort of continental divide where water began to fall on the other side of things for me on uh, war films. Because when, think about those young boys, you know, it makes you want to cry, opening those doors on Normandy Beach and just getting cut down the first five kids before they get... So anyway, I, I, I can't watch them like I used to. 30 dozen you can watch. It's sort of a caprice and... But uh, there's an actual great, great, great war film um, that I watched yesterday, and that's where James Arnest turned up in as an enlisted man, um, Battleground. It's a pretty amazing film. Uh, Van Johnson, evidently after he's crashed his car going over the Hollywood Hills, I think, you know, Monty Cliff might have got lead billing there, but Van Johnson also had a bad car wreck that scarred him horribly. You see him in early films when he's doing the breaststroke with Esther Williams, and his face is just like a uh, un, unblemished canvas, and then he's got a huge scar on it. I think he ripped his skull back uh, in this car wreck. So he's grizzled. He's great in this, though. And John Hodiak, amazing. I mean, really great, sort of a Clint Walker type. Uh, the great James Whitmore, I hope he was nominated for an Oscar, plays the grizzled corporal who's in charge of the march count. You better get up because you can't get down, down, <laughs> off. You know, I'd follow you magnificent sons of bitches into hell. Um, a young Marshall Thompson. I'm trying to give these guys credit because they were all stunning. An amazingly uh, young Ricardo Montalban, who I see in Battleground, and then later as I doze off, turns up as Khan in Trek 2. Yeah. It's so funny to watch. He's so young and handsome in Battleground, and then later on he comes out in some sort of, it's like Bowie's Labyrinth wig or something, you know? Not too Khan. dissimilar, yeah. And... Um, but an amazing film, a sad film. And uh, I think the next time Veterans Day or um, Memorial Day rolled around, that would be one to watch, Battleground, because sometimes these films get a little too removed. This one has all that Ernie Powell sort of uh, G.I. Joe color in it, but it's devastation uh, what these uh, people, these boys did for us. So thank God you see a soldier, and I know people say, oh, they don't want to thank them. You, you thank guys who, uh, if, you know, if you take your shoes in for new heels and they do a good job, you thank them. These guys, 
Unbelievable what they did for us. So anyway, Battleground, Cracker Jack film. So I watched that, and I watched Prince of the City yesterday because I had just had the uh, cataract surgery, and you can't believe your, your, what's it called, dilated pupil. Correct. Your pupil's more dilated than the fat kid in Stand By Me was <laughs> in the classroom. <laughs> Um, but, um, uh, you, you know, a little bit of light comes in at you like you're escaping from prison. <laughs> and, uh, so I had to stay in the dark room and watch movies and I watched Prince in the City. And like I said, uh, Treat Williams, an unenviable tat. I cannot imagine how exhausted that cat was. It, Christian, I don't very, very much ask for people, but. Tree Williams. Tree Williams would, once, oh, my God, he would be amazing. Yeah, I'd love to pick his brain about that film because as I watched it, I thought, I don't even think he got nominated. And it was a high profile. It's by the guy who did Failsafe and uh, uh, why can't I remember his name? I always go to Sidney Pollock and I can't remember the other guy's name. But anyway, great film, uh, but not a, not a film for the ages. And I can't even say that, and I wouldn't say this if, I don't want to say because we would try to get them on, but it's such a massive task they've given him that you, you can't imagine. It's two hours and 50 minutes, and I don't think he's in one scene where he's at ease. Oof. It's all about him ratting. Uh, it's like Serpico, the dark, dark, dark side of Serpico. Uh, and uh, But I have to give him credit, and I'm telling you, that cat is a great actor, and I believe he started out in Sondheim musicals, is that possible that Jerry Orbach was a musical actor? No, I know that he was, yeah. I mean, well, I've just heard that. And I never watched that show. Law and uh, Order? Yeah, just those aren't my sort of shows. What are they called? Procedurals. Procedurals, yeah. yeah. I, feel, I feel like the procedure is a colonoscopy, and I don't like to get those <laughs> except every few years because it's always, you know, it's set up by rote. You know, I mean, it must be like... Uh, four minutes, 17 seconds in, Mariska Hargate makes her appearance. I, but uh, that's where Orbach, and I hope he printed money he like did. the Bells did. He did that for a long time. Yeah, yeah, so good for him. But he is a stunning fucking actor, man. And uh, he's so good in this. I can't imagine anybody playing uh, a live-in-the-real-world cop any better than Jerry Orbach does in that movie. And... Uh, so Prince in the City, I'd have to say it's a, it's a long slog. Young Bob Balaban has a nice turn. He's an effete, prissy sort of cop who won't get his hands dirty. And, uh, and uh, Treat Williams, as I said, really takes a tremendous run at an unassailable hill, in my mind. Uh, but Orbach is <laughs> sweet. So give that a watch. Give Battleground a watch. What books am I reading? Um, I'm reading Scott Iman. There's one other person you can get on because he's a friend oh, yeah. of mine. Do you need his number? I think I have a number for him. Well, listen, I've read every Scott Iman book except one, and I'm reading it now. And he is the best writer about Hollywood, the studio system in the world today. Uh, he is the Scott Tarot, non-fictionally or whatever. You know, there's always one guy who rules a genre, and uh, Iman is that. Scott Turow, I probably picked somebody. I might as well have picked Longfellow that so long ago. <laughs> I don't know Scott Turow either. But as Womba was the cops, Iman is the old Hollywood, and it is absolutely uh, brilliant. About, it's called Speed of Sound, and it's about the awkward three-year period where silent goes out and the sound comes in. Oh, yeah. And how great actors are dead now, you know, because they can't speak. 
and how the sound guy becomes like a omniscient figure on the on the set because everything's about sound, and then how guys like Cecil B. DeMille and his brother and other guys, uh, Raoul Mamoulian, come in and say, "Fuck this! I'm not going to build the whole thing around this mic that I've got to stage scenes around near the flower pot." It's just a yeah. you got to remember what a tremulous system that was. Silent Pictures, although they're not my cup of tea. Were obviously just a huge, huge thing, and people didn't want sound at first. And then they bring it in, and the most unlikely guys, uh, a black hole of charisma, uh, Al Jolson, who I, I can't believe was ever, you know, can you imagine taking a chick out for a night on Broadway and a guy starts whistling and doing bird calls? <laughs> You're trying to get laid? <laughs> No, it's uh, and then he j- drops into some blackface, and then he's <laughs> Christ, where? That's what I was always looking for as a woman who would want that night out, but uh, I never did find her. Yeah, but you found your dream girl. That's true, I did, and I tricked uh, her. I think she was. Uh, I forgot. Wasn't she? A, she carrying the uh, round card things at a sumo tournament or something. Well, what's it called? Round one, round two. She was one of the beautiful. Yeah, they well, they call them the ring girls at uh, you know wrestling. And uh, is that yeah. a little too rough with your wife? No, 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 no. I mean, I I was going to say that you know when she was younger, she was a little husky, so she was actually the what? stand-in for a short round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> no. So that's how I met her. No. All of a sudden, my joke yeah. is the sweetest accolade yeah. ever thrown. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> A, is that the kid who fell out of the B-52 in a fucking one. inflatable yeah. thing and they landed in the yeah. Alps and nobody got hurt? That's him. <laughs> That's my favorite scene. I love that. Even for suspension of disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> to fall out of the back of a plane to 30,000 to Moab down on the Annapurna. <laughs> and the little Asian kid doesn't get hurt. What's he call him? Indy? Or? Yeah. I think he calls him Mr. Indy. The whole movie. Yeah. And then the, isn't that the one where they go to a buffet and somewhere in the Himalayas? They're like eating monkey, monkey brains, brains and yeah. shit. And that's Kate Capshaw's big movie. Lubies. Good <laughs> stick-to-the-rib monkey brains at what I consider to be a fair Lubies price. I wonder if Lubies still exist down there in Texas. That used to be my fave. All right. Anything else? I'm scratching my well, head. I had one specific Do story. I, from, uh, I think we might have one more. Yeah. Let me lay it on me. Yeah, well, this is serious. We shouldn't do it off the air. This isn't about uh, getting a nice edge on your groin. Yeah. Hey, check out my nether fade. (laughs) This is serious, but getting hit by a train. And a train doesn't care how together your pubic haircut is. No, Thomas the Tank Engine always cared. He he was very (laughs) meticulous when it came to those details. That's why they can't let him near the children. (laughs) Not anymore. All right. The only story I wanted to ask you about from the news was because Baltimore has been in the news so much. And I remember you telling me a story about you doing a show there. I was doing Monday Night Football. Oh, no, no. I think you had a gig. Uh, But I had a gig and the cop drove me there. It was like two blocks, right? Maybe I'm remembering. No, no. Very brief distance. But I can't say uh, I said to the cop, I'm going to walk over. I had put it together how far it was and it was walkable. Sure. So it wasn't like it was miles, and I was a you know goofball, Harry Dean Stanton in Paris, Texas, stumbling <laughs> in out of the desert heat. I, right. I had asked, and they told me, and I said, I'll walk over. And the cop says, "Where? Hey, Dennis, where are you? What are you doing?" I go, "I got a gig over it. I can't even remember the place." And uh, 
He said, I'll drive you. Yeah. That always stuck with me, man. When a cop on duty in the Inner Harbor says, I'll drive you over. Yeah, and the Inner uh, Harbor is like the tourist section. And it's the nice part of Baltimore. It was a minute and a half drive. Yeah. I'm telling you. So that's how. And he dropped me off. And he said, if you need a ride after. I said, I'll get a cab, brother. I wasn't depending on a cop to yeah, shepherd sure. me over. I just didn't know I was going to walk. He said, don't walk. So, you know, I listen, as I say, there are people who see... Uh, trace of racism in absolutely every waking moment. I refer to them as tracists. And I think uh, the left has turned into tracists. They can play all the games they want. Uh, if they, if the nine people or the ten people last night in Detroit had told you how they, their vision for the future of the country and had walked right by those podiums and threw open the backstage door and each went out with camcorders for an hour and a half to, into Detroit... You would have saw that Baltimore is not the only problem uh, city facing these problems. And this is what is wrought by, uh, I always think of it as some sort of narcissistic altruism. The presumption that you, you, you have helped somebody into early obsolescence. And I don't know where that $16 billion went, but if you throw $16 billion at a city, uh, you shouldn't have. And, you know, this all of a sudden, its infestation reads... Uh, uh, black people. That is so fucked up. I mean, really, what? I can't believe the Rorschach when a guy says rat infested. He's talking about the rats, for Christ's sake. There are rats all over down there. And immediately to think of the other thing is weird to me. I, I that, that tells me some, I don't know, what's askew in their heads that a guy would say, God, it's rat infested. And you think he's talking about the, the black people who live there. You think really? Yeah, that's what that was your thought. That is uh, crazy to me. So, do I think Trump's a racist? No, not in the least. Uh, but do I think anybody who he hears him say that it's rat infested and thinks he's talking about the black people that live there is is that somebody you want to go? Really? What the? Really? That's what you're thinking? Yeah, I do. I think that's uh, fucked up. So uh, I don't know. I remember Eric Holder once saying. Now, this country doesn't want to have an honest conversation about race. Well, who's that, Eric? You think it's Trump? You think Trump's trying to have an honest conversation here about inner city problems? And you think he's getting uh, hung, what is it called, hoisted on his petard? Uh, and I know somebody, you can't say, you know what I mean? It's like the country's crazy now. But uh, I think Trump's making an overture to helping these inner cities by being candid. And all they hear is he wants to kill black people or something. It's it's unpatchable, folks. And I'm not imaginative enough to tell you where this is going down the road between the left and the right. But I think it'll be something historic. And I don't want to be too cute by half there. What's that? That's either fiscal. That's either 1929 or that's 1861. I'd say it'll be something more akin to 1929 where they'll take over, get too much power and crash it. Because if anybody wants to buzzkill what's happening right now fiscally, they're mad. Because right now it's happening. Let me look at this thing. I don't know what the, this cat said today, but it's down 233. So maybe he just left it as is. But uh, I, 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 as I often say, people say how polarized we are right now in this country. And I'm kind of proud of the country. I think that for us to be this estranged and it hasn't broke out into anything, anything that approaches a civil war except in verbal and and let's face facts, if we all got along 
Twitter is going to be a goat fuck of people hating each other. <laughs> there are people on there, I bet you, goat fucking their best friends and under the guise of anonymity. You know, like, uh, you know, human beings are weird. They get behind a smoke glass window, they pick their nose. And when they have the anonymity of the Internet, they're going to say horrible things. And then you always find out it was somebody you worked with or something like that. If you ever do investigate it or it's a 54-year-old guy who's a member of your you know, or some of these haters, you don't know who they are. They're cloaked in anonymity. But I think the Internet would be a hateful place to begin with. But if that's what it's come down to is people snipe at each other over politics on this bullshit thing called the Internet. Good for us, because, man, I, I don't think the country was this estranged from each other as far as hating each other before the Civil War. I just think they had a premise problem that the South believed in slavery. Humans were chattel. The North didn't. And it had to come to cases. But the gen do I think there was more... Uh, you know, other than John Brown burning down an armory and that, do I think people on a day-to-day -day basis were having these fights or this cognizant of the level of the hate? No, there was no internet then. There was no Twitter. You know, maybe occasionally Matthew Brady would put up a meme of somebody, you know, in a <laughs> daguerreotype meme, but uh, the, the tintype meme. But the uh, the basic thing is it's so hateful now. It's uh, People are at each other's throats, but they're not at each other's throats. And listen, uh, about where it's at right now is uh, morons with D-cells in a tube saw clocking somebody if they don't agree with them. That's done 99% of the time by Antifa. And then there's this madman, and it's this guy in Charlottesville. And uh, But by and large, I don't see Christian conservatives beating people up uh, or hitting them over the head with tube socks filled with batteries. I see that mostly. Uh, listen, can we at least come together on one thing? People always say, how is this country going to come together? How's about this? Any public protest goes as long as it's nonviolent, but we add a caveat. You can't wear a, a, a scarf or a ski mask. What would be so wrong about that? I don't, I don't get that. Let everybody congregate. Let everybody express their point. March, counter marches. I get all that. It gets ugly sometimes. But no ski mask. Let's start there. Can't both the left and the right come together and sign something called the ski mask resolution <laughs> if we're all, all going to meet in the street that everybody just, uh, you know, we let the aliases go by on the Internet and it's hateful. But then again, I, I don't think it really takes a deep wound. Some kids it does. It's uh, anytime there's a breakthrough in something, there's going to be side effects that you never saw coming and delicate children who are reading about people hating them and that you read these horrible stories about people feeling they're ostracized and jumping off the George Washington. It's madness. It's the heartbreak of the human condition. It'll exist a thousand years from now. It existed a thousand years ago. Uh, humans can be brutal to each other. Go check any school playground out where kids have yet to learn who they fully are and watch something in their hard drive being cruel to the other. So I get that. But we don't have to help it. it, it let it go on the Internet because, to me, you, you can't govern that. But if anybody's going to get in the town square and bust up against any other people, no ski masks. We'll start there, and we can work out from that red cork circle to the outer realms of the dartboard. All right. Um, One of the other things I wanted to ask you about was uh, Robert <laughs> Mueller spoke yet again, and I know you were in I Greece was when this happened. The yeah. clips I saw, you look like he looked... You know what? It was so stupid the way he looked that I, I get the feeling he was, I don't know. I read about a mob boss years ago who did that, where he act old and adult. 
Oh, it was, was it the guy who showed up in the bathrobe? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I forget yeah. who that I was. I think he was doing that. Yeah. He should have shown up in a bathrobe. It would have been more effective. Especially if it was open. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you know, listen, if anybody needs manscaping, <laughs> it's Robert I don't Mueller. have to tell you, he's got to have one of those Wiseman guys come in and do <laughs> some sort of little clip on his jurisprudence. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was wondering if some of it was like, you know, for him Everybody to not say he knew about uh, uh, who's the company that commissioned the Wisdom dossier. I forget, but uh, oh, I forgot the name of it too. But yeah, I mean, you know, he knows that everybody asking him questions has limited time. So I was like, look, asking everybody to repeat it, I feel like that's a smart yeah, rope a dope because he doesn't want to be there. Like, whatever you think of him, he didn't want to talk to and them. And he also doesn't want to face a perjury thing. Right, that too. Yeah. Where if something comes out in the near future with the Comey or Wiseman investigations, yeah. I think Barr is going to be a ball buster on that stuff. He's going to go for it. And he's on record uh, in a precise way about what he knew. Listen, that guy's in it. He's trying to get it into the barn. He didn't want to be polarized. You could see him and his wife walking to church. They want to be part of that whole Washington, D.C. community. Do you want to go out as a guy who's viewed as a rat by uh, the, the same people who are going to brutalize anybody who disagrees with them? Or do you want to go out looking a little befuddled and have half of them believe that you were feigning it anyway? All I can tell is this. I don't think he had anything to do with that investigation except being the uh, titular head of it. Yeah. And... Uh, I think he probably checked in once a week, had around six guys sit in that semicircle around him and act like he was Yoda, <laughs> and then he hit his weekends. I don't think he knew shit about it. But I also think he was savvy enough to not say that in front of them, so he had to act like, uh, you know, but uh, I, I don't think he's ever read that report. Yeah. And uh, I don't know who did. It would, wouldn't that be interesting if nobody's read that? I'd love to know that. Yeah, would feel I mean, like... Nobody. Yeah, I feel like some people had staffers that probably split it up, and people some people read parts of it, but I can't imagine people sitting down. No, and cause it's it, like how, the Winklevosses, though, with their Bitcoin thing, yeah. that nobody knew all the information until it was right. put together. Yeah, I think if there's 400 pages, they probably had, let's say, gave eight people 60 pages. Yeah. Said this is your, it's like a study group, uh, you know. <laughs> A bring down the president's study group, and they each had 60 pages. But I don't think anybody's read that piece of bullshit. And you know what? Uh, for all, do I think Trump's a pristine vessel? Uh, no, but do I think he was work? He was working for, with Russia. That's crazy. Everybody knew that was crazy. I, I and that fat fuck Jerry Nadler. <laughs> fuck him. You know. Yeah, I know you're not supposed to say fat fuck anymore. Let's say I'm talking about his head. He's a fat head <laughs> fuck. Goof boy, I get a fucking band on his cerebellum. <laughs> Pasty, Madame Tussauds, jerk off, fat fuck. Do you think it's just that they need to believe something, and that seems the one that's the that the, the whatever reason they think it's the most likely? Like, no, no, he totally worked with Russia because not, nothing yeah. else seems to. I, I I don't know why we're still talking. Well, not you and I are They're still talking nuts. about it. Yeah. They lost. They, yeah. they can't believe they lost. And you know why people hate Trump? Half the guys hate him because they. Uh, well, they wish they had his hair. Yeah, they wish they were him. Yeah. Well, in that part, sure. There's a lot of guys who thought I, I was going to be president. I don't even think Trump, I don't think he thought about being president as much as they did. I bet no. you the last 25 years he's thought about it, and 20 years, I mean, it bowed in, and he became president. And you felt like up until that afternoon, everybody who worked for him said, you know, this isn't going to happen, right? And he's like, yeah, I know. You know. Yeah, he probably knew that, but he yeah. won. Yeah, right, and, exactly. And, <laughs> and Hillary lost. I think they pushed a lot of chips in on 
negating his presidency. I think he got ugly. I think a few guys cheated, and they've got to lay a bunch of firewalls in between them. And do I, where do I think it ends? Who do I think it ends with? Well, I think it ends with Valerie Jarrett. And do I think she makes the call? No, but you know who made the call. I think Obama makes the call. You can tell me that he's the one president who didn't get into this shit. Yeah. Come on. And so he, he, che he checked out halfway through the last term. The last traceable <laughs> step is Valerie Jarrett. But yeah. at the end of the day, Valerie Jarrett didn't do anything unless Obama told her. So I think at some point uh, they said, let's uh, let's gaslight this cat and his constituency. And uh, I don't know. I still... You know, people always, uh, I had a talk with Franken lately, and he couldn't believe some of my notions. And I said to him, Al, I haven't even gotten past the fact that she, they asked for emails, and she got rid of 33,000 of them and got off. Yeah. I said, I, I haven't even, you know, when people say, do you know that Volt the Dynamic commissioned, the, you know, and I always think, I don't know, Fusion GPS. <laughs> and I always think, I haven't even got there. I shut down where I go, this is rigged. I, that, that he's the guy under the scope. And she's the one who got rid of 33,000 emails and said they were all about a, upcoming nuptials yeah. or workout classes. I'm pretty sure Franken wrote an entire sketch about the 17 minutes missing from the Watergate tapes. Yeah, and exactly. Like the same Rosemary thing? Woods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> workout <laughs> phone calls. Well, no, to be fair, uh, Nixon did work out a lot. He I was know. really into yoga before his time. It's like uh, Jab of the Hut telling you it was my jazzercise instructor <laughs> schedule. <laughs> oh, I see. You work 33,000 emails on working yeah. out. Yeah, what happened there? Um, isn't that funny, though, that one of the things my cataract doctor told me that you can't do, uh, and he looked at it again this morning, he said, ah, it's coming along well, but you can't do downward dog. I thought that was so really? funny. I guess that's how prevalent yoga has become. You put pressure on your eyeball when you do that. Oh, wow. And I guess if you've had cataract surgery, you risk blowing it out or something. I said, um, I have to go to Vegas tomorrow to do something. He said, yeah, you can go wear shades. I said, flying's okay. He said, yeah. And he said, I don't swim because you never know what's in the water. And don't do downward dog for a while. I said, wow, that's a well, he, he, he clearly specific knows you. request. <laughs> I said, geez, I'll try. <laughs> but I'll try to double up on my sun pose. I was going to downward dog on the strip in Vegas. So I'm glad we had this conversation. Have you ever gone to a yoga class with people who mm. know what they're doing? I, I, you can end it. Have you ever gone to a yoga oh, class? No, I have not. I can't even sit in the position they sit when they all listen to each other. Right. Which is you spread your legs and yeah. you sit up. I can't even straighten my legs out. I'm like back like this. Like I'm, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not even yoga for me. It's like some sort of male gynecology class where my legs barely are split and I can't even sit all the way upright. And they're like doing pretzel logic. The great Steely Dan album. Oh, two people in that group. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm over there and I can't even sit up straight. I went with Peter Noon once. I've never been. Wait, you and Peter Noon went to a yoga class yeah. and you didn't invite me? He was a little more stretched out than <laughs> sure. me. And, uh, but not much. We were, <laughs> I am the least stretched out person. You know, except uh, I have to say, and he's probably in better stretch out shape now. But when I uh, knew Andre Agassi, I went to the U.S. Open with him. He never stretched. I said, don't you stretch really? out? Really? Because everybody else, he's like, yeah, I haven't stretched out in my life. And I go, why? He's like, because, he, you know, he's in return of serves my thing. He's like, I don't want to be loose. Yeah, I he's guess like, it makes sense. He's like, and he would show me where his whole game was. It's like, 
you know, you look out there and you think they're taking big, and some guys are taking big Lollapalooza <laughs> topspin things, right. but Andre was all just stand there. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> and he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to uncoil the string. So I'm like that. My legs are not stretched out at all. So when he said, don't do downward dog, I said, you know, I have my yearly physical where he'll say, touch your toes. I'm, I'm not shitting you. I get down by my knees. Oh, yeah, I can. He'll say, what's wrong with you? I'll go, I, I never stretch my legs out. I'm 43. I can't touch my toes. And I now I just wrote a book today that says that's what kills you. Non-stretched out legs <laughs> and a pear-shaped profile. <laughs> so, Christ, I am like a uh, dead man walking. Wait a second. Who's it? Come on in. Hey, Sister Mary Pergine. It's <laughs> <laughs> my dead man walking. Around. I just pulled it out of a hat. I love that. Sue Sarandon. Um, what else? Let's go with uh, one more. Uh, North Korea launched two short-range ballistic missiles. This would have been what day of the week was that? Tuesday, I guess, mm -hmm. as that happened. So well, I hope he smokes that little jag-off bento box fucking hat I, I guy. I feel like Kim Jong-un still like wants to be liked and wants to be Trump's friend. And I don't know if it's just that he's not paying enough attention. So he's like, I'll throw some missiles. And uh, I think I don't think he's in charge. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Well, you know what I mean. Anytime yeah. you hear, uh, please welcome the ultimate ruler. You know, there's four generals in a back right. room who wrote that. And they say to him, listen, you can go be as odd as you want and gain as much weight as you want. You can have fucking paint thinner all day if you want. But Get the worst haircut on the yeah, planet Earth. Don't, uh, don't make up with the West or yeah. we're going to croak you. Yeah. So I think that's where it's at. I think he thinks Trump would kill him down the road, but he, I think he thinks it's a lot closer road. <laughs> if he doesn't pay attention to his military. Because you see those fuckers, they're crazy, they're like rockets with automatic rifles. You ever see them high, doing that march? Does that oh, not yeah. freak you out? No, it definitely I freaks me out. I mean, I can out. see soldiers doing, you know, marching drills. Yeah. And that's kind of intimidating. But it's flat out crazy when they're coming down the aisle like the Christmas special at the, you know, uh, the Rocket Christmas special over there at Radio City Music Hall where they're all kicking their legs out. It's like you're being killed by Carol Channing or something. <laughs> um, and Carol Channing, Asian. Christian, isn't the, in some odd way your wife and Carol Channing related? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very elaborate family tree. There's a lot Isn't of branches. <laughs> oh, I saw you in the garden against Carmen Facilio 145. You were a fucking thing of beauty. But I love that I have... I'm trying to think if I've ever handed you anything. Because, anything, anything to work with? No, yeah. no. Ah! <laughs> literally, I'm so full of shit on this show sometimes that I'll get into these weird things that I'll literally... My box canyon thought is... Throw it over to Christian. Yeah. That little fucker will run with it. So uh, I think I think it's the only useful skill that I have. Never <laughs> panics. Never gets uh, ruffled. Always. I, I I can't even remember what I just asked you. Something about your wife, my wife, and Carol, Carol Channing being yeah. Asian together. Yeah, that's why I call her Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. I feel like Keir Delay in 2010. There's something beautiful coming. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.